The Thousand and One Humbugs, Part Three, from Household Words, Volume Eleven. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Charles Dickens, Two Hundredth Anniversary Collection, Volume Five. The Thousand and One Humbugs, Part Three, from Household Words, Volume Eleven, by Charles Dickens. On the following night, Hansardade proceeded with the story of the talkative barber. In the great plain which lies at the feet of the mountains of Kaskar, and which is seven weeks' journey across, there is a city where a lame young man was once invited, with other guests, to an entertainment. Upon his entrance, the company already assembled rose up to do him honour, and the host, taking him by the hand, invited him to sit down with the rest upon the estrade. At the same time, the master of the house greeted his visitor with the salutation, Allah is Allah, there is no Allah but Allah, may his name be praised, and may Allah be with you. Sire, the lame young man, who had the appearance of one that had suffered much, was about to comply with the invitation of the master of the house to seat himself upon the estrade with the rest of the company, when he suddenly perceived among them a barber. He instantly flew back with every token of abhorrence, and made towards the door. The master of the house, amazed at this behaviour, stopped him. Sir, exclaimed the young man, I adjure you by Mecca, do not stop me, let me go. I cannot without horror look upon that abominable barber. Upon him and upon the whole of his relations be the curse of Allah in return for all I have endured from his intolerable levity and from his talk never being to the point or purpose. With these words the lame young man again made violently towards the door. The guests were astonished at this behaviour and began to have a very bad opinion of the barber. The master of the house so courteously entreated the lame young man to recount to the company the causes of this strong dislike, that at length he could not refuse. Averting his head so that he might not see the barber, he proceeded. Gentlemen, you must know that this accursed barber is the cause of my being crippled, and is the occasion of all my misfortunes. I became acquainted with him in the following manner. I am called Publique, or the Many-Headed. I am one of a large family, who have undergone an infinite variety of adventures and afflictions. One day I chanced to sit down to rest on a seat in a narrow lane, when a lattice over against me opened and I obtained a glimpse of the most ravishing beauty in the world. After watering a pot of budding flowers which stood in the window, she perceived me and modestly withdrew, but not before she had directed towards me a glance so full of charms that I screamed aloud with love and became insensible for a considerable time. When I came to myself, I directed a favourite slave to make inquiries among the neighbours, 
and on pain of death to bring me an exact account of the young lady's family and condition the slave acquitted himself so well that he informed me within an hour that the young lady's name was fair gavornment and that she was the daughter of the chief cadi the violence of my passion became so great that i took to my bed that evening fell into a fever and was reduced to the brink of death when an old lady of my acquaintance came to see me son said she after observing me attentively i perceive that your disease is love inform me who is the object of your affections and rely upon me to bring you together this address of the good old ladies had such an effect on me that i immediately rose quite restored in health and began to dress myself in a word continued the lame young man addressing the company assembled in the house of the citizen of the plain at the feet of the mountains of kaskar and always keeping his head in such a position as that he could not see the barber the old lady exerted herself in my behalf with such effect that on the very next day she returned commissioned by the enchantress of my soul to appoint a meeting between us i arranged to attire myself in my richest clothes and dispatched the same favourite slave with instructions to fetch a barber who knew his business and who could skilfully prepare me for the interview i was to have for the first time in my life with fair gavornment gentlemen the slave returned with the wretch whom you see here sir began this accursed barber whom a malignant destiny thus inflicted on me how do you do i hope you are pretty well i do not wish to praise myself but you are lucky to have sent for me my name is premia in me you behold an accomplished diplomatist a first-rate statesman a frisky speaker an easy shaver a touch-and-go joker a giver of the go-by to all complainers and above all a member of the aristocracy of barbers sir i am a lineal descendant of the prophet and consequently a born barber all my relations friends acquaintances connections and associates are likewise lineal descendants of the prophet and consequently born barbers every one as i said but the other day to Layardine, or the troublesome the aristocracy may allah confound thy aristocracy and thee cried i will you begin to shave me gentlemen proceeded the lame young man the barber had brought a showy case with him and he consumed such an immense time in pretending to open it that i was well nigh fretted to death i will not be shaved at all said i sir returned the unabashed barber you sent for me to shave you and with your pardon i will do it whether you like it or not ah sir you have not so good an opinion of me as your father had i knew your father and he appreciated me i said a thousand pleasant things to him and rendered him a thousand services and he adored me just heaven he would exclaim you are an exhaustible fountain of wisdom no man can plumb the depths of your profundity my dear sir i would reply you do me more honour than i deserve still as a lineal descendant of the prophet 
and one of the aristocracy of born barbers i will with the help of allah shave you pretty close before i have done with you you may guess gentlemen in my state of expectancy with my heart set on fair government and the precious time running by how i cursed this impertinent chattering on the part of the barber barber of mischief barber of sin barber of false pretence barber of froth and bubble said i stamping my foot upon the ground will you begin to do your work fair and softly sir said he let me count you out first with that he counted from one to thirty-eight with great deliberation and then laughed heartily and went out to look at the weather when the barber returned he went on prattling as before you're in high feather sir said he i am glad to see you look so well but how can you be otherwise than flourishing after having sent for me i am called the careless i am not like disease who draws blood nor like darby who claps on blisters nor like johnny who works with the square and rule i am the easy shaver and i care for nobody i can do anything shall i dance the dance of mr pitt to please you or shall i sing the song of mr folks or joke the joke of joe miller honour me with your attention while i do all three the barber continued the lame young man with a groan danced the dance of mr pitt and sang the song of mr folks and joked the joke of joe miller and then began with fresh impertinences sir said he with a lofty flourish when Britain first at heaven's command rose from out of the azure main this was the charter of the land and guardian angels sang this strain singing as first lord was a waller king the office guarding around no end of born barbers he picked up and found says he i will load them with silver and gold for the country's a donkey and as such is sold at this point i could bear his insolence no longer but starting up cried barber of hollowness by what consideration am i restrained from falling upon and strangling thee calmly sir said he let me count you out first he then played his former game of counting from one to under forty and again laughed heartily and went out to take the height of the sun and make a calculation of the state of the wind that he might know whether it was an auspicious time to begin to shave me i took the opportunity said the young man of flying from my house so darkened by the fatal presence of this detestable barber and of repairing with my utmost speed to the house of the cadi but the appointed hour was long past and fair government had withdrawn no one knew whither as i stood in the street cursing my evil destiny and execrating this intolerable barber i heard a hue and cry looking in the direction whence it came i saw the diabolical barber attended by an immense troop of his relations and friends the lineal descendants of the prophet and aristocracy of born barbers all offering a reward to any one who would stop me and all proclaiming the unhappy public to be their natural prey and rightful property i turned and fled they jostled and bruised me cruelly among them 
and I became maimed, as you see. I utterly detest, abominate, and abjure this barber, and ever since and ever more I totally renounce him. With these concluding words, the lame young man arose in a sullen way that had something very threatening in it, and left the company. Commander of the Faithful, when the lame young man was gone, the guests, turning to the barber, who wore his turban very much on one side, and smiled complacently, asked him what he had to say for himself. The barber immediately danced the dance of Mr. Pitt, and sang the song of Mr. Folks, and joked the joke of Jomilla. Gentlemen, said he, not at all out of breath after these performances, it is true that I am called the careless. Permit me to recount to you, as a lively diversion, what happened to a twin brother of that young man who has so undeservedly abused me, in connection with a near relation of mine. No one objecting, the barber related, the story of the Barmicide feast. The young man's twin brother, Gold Public, was in very poor circumstances and hardly knew how to live. In his reduced condition he was fain to go about to great men begging them to take him in, and to do them justice they did it extensively. One day in the course of his poverty-stricken wanderings he came to a large house with two high towers, a spacious hall, an abundance of fine gilding, statuary and painting. Although the house was far from finished, he could see enough to assure him that enormous sums of money must be lavished upon it. He inquired who was the master of this wealthy mansion, and received for information that he was a certain barmicide. The barmicide, gentlemen, is my near relation, and like myself a lineal descendant of the prophet and a born barber. The young man's twin brother passed through the gateway and crept submissively onward until he came into a spacious apartment where he descried the barmicide sitting at the upper end in the post of honour. The barmicide asked the young man's brother what he wanted. My lord, replied he in a pitiful tone, I am sore distressed and have none but high and mighty nobles like yourself to help me. That much at least is true, returned the barmicide. There is no help save in high and mighty nobles. It is the appointment of Allah. But what is your distress? My lord, said the young man's brother, I am fasting from all the nourishment I want. And whatever you may please to think, am in a dangerous extremity. A very little more at any moment, and you would be astonished at the figure I should make. Is it so indeed? inquired the barmicide. Sir, returned the young man's brother, I swear by heaven and earth that it is so, and heaven and earth are every hour drawing nearer to the discovery that it is so. Alas, poor man, replied the barmicide, pretending to have an interest in him. Ho, oh, boy, bring us of the best here, and let us not spare our liberal measures. This poor man shall make good cheer without delay. Though no boy appeared, gentlemen, and though there was no sign of the liberal measures of which the barmicide spoke so ostentatiously, 
the young man's brother gulled public endeavoured to fall in with the barmecide's humour come cried the barmecide feigning to pour water on his hands let us begin fair and fresh how do you like this purity ah my lord returned gulled public imitating the barmecide's action this is indeed purity this is in truth a delicious beginning then let us proceed said the barmecide seeming to dry his hands with this smoking dish of reform how do you like it fat at the same time he pretended to hand choice morsels to the young man's brother take your fill of it exclaimed the barmecide there is plenty here do not spare it it was cooked for you may allah prolong your life my lord said gold public you are liberal indeed the barmecide having boasted in this pleasant way of his smoking dish of reform which had no existence affected to call for another dish ho cried he clapping his hands bring in those educational kabobs then he imitated the action of putting some upon the plate of the young man's brother and went on how do you like these educational kabobs the cook who made them is a treasure are they not justly seasoned are they not so honestly made as to be adapted to all digestions you want them very much i know and have wanted them this long time do you enjoy them and here is a delicious mess called forine legion eat of it also for i pride myself upon it and expect it to bring me great respect and much friendship from distant lands and this pilau of church endowments and duties which you see so beautifully divided pray how do you approve of this pilau it was invented on your account and no expense has been spared to render it to your taste ho boy bring in that ragout now here my friend is a ragout called law of partnership it is expressly made for poor men's eating and i particularly pride myself upon it this is indeed a dish at which you may cut and come again and boy hasten to set before my good friend gulled public the rare stew of colonial spices minced crime hashed poverty swollen liver of ignorance stale confusion rotten tape and chopped up bombast steeped in official sauce and garnished with a great deal of tongue and a very little brains the crowning dish of which my dear friend never can have enough and upon which he thrives so well but you don't eat with an appetite my brother said the barmecide i fear the repast is hardly to your liking pardon me my benefactor returned the guest whose jaws ached with pretending to eat i am full almost to the throat well then said the barmecide since you have dined so well try the dessert here are apples of discord from the horse guards and admiralty here is abundance of the famous fruit from the dead sea that turns to ashes on the lips here are the dates from the peninsula in great profusion and here is a fig for the nation eat and be happy 
my lord replied the object of his merriment i am quite worn out by your liberality and can bear no more gentlemen continued the loquacious barber when the humorous barmecide my near relation linearly descended from the prophet had brought his guest to this pass he clapped his hands three times to summon around him his slaves and instructed them to force in reality the vile stew of which he had spoken down the throat of the hungry gulled public together with a nauseous mess called dublin come tax and to put bitters in his drink strew dust on his head blacken his face shave his eyebrows pluck away his beard insult him and make merry with him he then caused him to be attired in a shameful dress and set upon an ass with his face to the tail and in this state be publicly exposed with the inscription around his neck this is the punishment of gold public who asked for nourishment and said he wanted it such is the present droll condition of this person while my near relation the barmecide sits in the post of honour with his turban very much on one side enjoying the joke which i think you will all admit is an excellent one hence are dead having made an end of the discourse of the loquacious barber would have instantly begun another story had not brother toon shut her up with dear sister it will be shortly daybreak get to bed and be quiet end of the thousand and one humbugs part three from household words volume eleven recording by noel badrian county offaly ireland